So we're continuing this morning with the, the series on how can I keep from singing, and um, we're going to be talking about It Is Well With My Soul, the hymn, uh, which is particularly appropriate for, uh, for this uh, Sunday morning, uh, as a, uh, and you'll hear that as we get into the history of it. Um, <clears throat> as we get into this, uh, a couple of years back, uh, our praise band was asked to, to play for the memorial service at annual conference. Uh, we do this every year where we... Remember those uh, colleagues that have died during the year and their family members, and so uh, we have this uh, opening service with that, and uh, they called Nick and said, you know, would the Messengers of Grace like to come and, and do the music for this? And Nick said, yeah, we'd love to come do that, and I was thrilled, and Nick sent them a, a list of songs, and, and they called him back, and they said, uh, Nick, this is the memorial service. Um, we really don't think you should do any contemporary music. And Nick said, uh, you know... This is a praise band, right? This is, this is what we do. And they said, yeah, but we just don't feel that would be appropriate for this service. And, and so we want you to do all traditional music. And Nick said, well, you know, that, that's really not what we do. So if that's really what you want, I, I think you should ask someone else to do that. And they said, okay, we'll, we'll do that. And I was disappointed, um, but, but I understood some of the, the logic behind it. Because that service usually is kind of a, a somber service. I mean, we're remembering folks that we know that have... Uh, died during the year, and every time we come to this service every year on All Saints Weekend, there's there's some of that feel to it. And and having been here now as long as I have, you know, it becomes even more so because uh, most of the time when we come and we read these names, these are people we know. Uh, they're not uh, just you know folks we've met. I mean, we've we've become friends with people. Uh, Sherman Stone we worked with for 17, 18 years here, and um, they're folks that we know very well, and so uh, they're near and dear to our heart. They're friends and family to us. Uh, and, and there is a certain amount of, of somber nature. And when we read through that list this year, we have everybody from folks who are over 100 uh, to a young mother who had children uh, and everything in between. So it, it is that way. And we do feel, uh, you know, a certain amount of grief and pain when we gather on this day. And that's, that's to be expected. In Stephen ministry, they have a quote and they say that grief is the price you pay for love. Uh, for loving someone. And that actually reaches back. There was a book that was published in the 70s. And this is the, the actual quote that that comes from. Uh, the pain of grief is just as much part of life as the joy of love. It is perhaps the price we pay for love, the cost of commitment. To ignore this fact or pretend that it is not so is to put on emotional blinders which leave us unprepared for the losses that will inevitably occur in our own lives and unprepared to help others cope with losses in theirs. Uh, this reality that when we, we lose someone uh, to death, that, that you know, it, it, it's painful to us because they're important to us. Um, I try to tell people it, it's kind of like when you have a physical injury, you know, it, it hurts and it causes pain and it takes a while to heal. In the same way, when we have this kind of a spiritual injury because of the death of someone we love, it causes a spiritual pain and, and that takes time to heal. Uh, but God, in his time and in his mercy, does indeed bring healing to us in that. Uh, so, so we kind of hear that side of it that, that's the painful side, but yet when we gather on all saints, we also come as people of faith who know that God is with us uh, even in those difficult moments. And as Paul reflected in his letter to the Romans when he said, since we're justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we've obtained access to this grace in which we stand. And we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, 
And hope does not disappoint us because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that's been given to us. So, so I'm just, uh, this morning as we gather and as we come to communion and as uh, we remember our saints, uh, I, I'm, I'm just going to be praying that God's hope is being poured into our hearts in, in a powerful way uh, that places us there, that even in the midst of grief, uh, we are filled with a hope that does not disappoint us. Let us pray. Mighty Father, we give you thanks for these saints that you've shared with us, and we ask you to be in the midst of us in the power and the presence of your Spirit. Come and bring your healing to rest upon our hearts and pour your hope into them so powerfully that we are not disappointed. I let the words of my mouth, let the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. For you are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. So we're going to be talking about uh, It Is Well With My Soul, which is, uh, for most of us is a very familiar hymn. It was written in 1873. And it was written by this gentleman, uh, Horatio Spafford. Uh, he is the son of Horatio Spafford, who was the publisher of the Gazetteer in Chicago. And uh, the son, Horatio, uh, was a uh, very influential lawyer, a very prominent lawyer in Chicago. Uh, had a firm that he established there and also had a branch office over in New York City. And became very uh, well-known, very prominent in the community, very wealthy. Uh, in 1861, he was married to a wife that he met from Norway and brought over uh, to live with him in Chicago. And they started their family. And uh, as time went on and his uh, wealth became uh, fairly substantial, he was looking for places to, uh, to uh, put that and, and invest that. And so he purchased a lot of property on the north side of Chicago. Uh, in 1871... Uh, he and his family experienced uh, uh, two tragedies. Uh, the first was that their four-year-old son uh, died from scarlet fever. Uh, a few months after that was the Great Fire of Chicago. And the Great Fire of Chicago, almost all of his investments were wiped out. And so that at the end of 1871, he and his wife found themselves uh, deeply in grief, but, but also having to rebuild their whole financial uh, kind of situation from scratch. Now, now, Spafford was a uh, big uh, supporter of Dwight Moody, and some of you will know the name, a big evangelist, and, and uh, Spafford gave a lot of financial support, but also frequently went to Moody's uh, engagements where he was speaking, where he was doing revivals and such, and so uh, was very much engaged in that. And as they came down uh, through 1871 and in 1872, and he and his wife found themselves struggling with uh, depression over the loss of their son and over the loss of their financial empire, um, they made a decision uh, to follow Moody uh, to Europe. Moody was getting ready to launch a, a big tour of Europe where he was going to be preaching in various places across Europe. And so he thought, and his wife thought, you know, we're, we're going to go with him. It'll be a great change of pace. It'll get us out of Chicago. Uh, it'll be good for us. It'll be good for our spirit. Uh, and this is something uh, valuable that we can contribute. So they made a decision to, to follow him, uh, Dwight Moody, across uh, Europe. And uh, book passage on a ship over to Europe at that time. And then at the last minute, uh, there was a legal matter that came up in New York, which called for Spafford's attention. So he delayed his passage to a later uh, crossing of the Atlantic, and he went to New York, but he sent his wife and his four daughters on ahead of him uh, across uh, to the Atlantic. On November 22nd of 1873, uh, the ship that his wife and daughters were on was struck by an ironclad uh, freighter uh, and went down in the Atlantic uh, with the loss of 226 lives. And among those 226 were his four daughters. Uh, his wife alone uh, was plucked from the water by one of the sailors in one of the lifeboats. 
and um, uh, placed on a different ship and taken to England. Um, and from England, she sent a telegram back to Horatio Spafford. And if you can read uh, the very first line, the first two words, you can see that it says, saved alone. Uh, so this is how he learned that his four children were gone. Um, he went to England. Uh, he was prepared to go to England and join his wife there anyway. So uh, he boarded the ship and uh, began the passage across the Atlantic. And as they were crossing the Atlantic one night, uh, the captain of that ship came to him and brought him up on deck and said, Sir, I believe that we are crossing over the place now where the Ville de Havre went down. And reported that Spafford stayed on deck of the ship the rest of the night and the day in the North Atlantic, in, in the cold and in the wet. And then went below and, and wrote the words to the hymn which we know as It Is Well. Um, this tremendous statement of faith in the midst of tremendous loss. I, I, I don't know, uh, and I can't really put myself in that place of understanding uh, what his grief must have been like. Uh, I want you to understand, in two years... All of his children have gone. Uh, his financial, uh, all of his investments are gone. But, but he's on this ship crossing over the place where his four daughters have gone down with uh, the other ship. And, and he's pinning the words to this hymn of great faith, and, and I, which is, to me is just astounding. I, I can't imagine what it's like to, to suffer through the loss of, of all of your children in that way. I can't even begin to get that. But, but I, I do know something from watching uh, the way in which my mother dealt with my sister's death. Uh, when every year as we approached the anniversary of that, my mother would go into depression and frequently become suicidal. My mother died three days after the anniversary date of my sister's death, and none of us believed that was an accident. There was this inability to recover from that, and, and frequently we've heard that from people who have lost children, that it's a different kind of grief. But, but Spafford, somehow or another, in the midst of facing that and standing on the deck of that ship in the North Atlantic is able to write those words, it is well with my soul. It's a tremendous testament of faith and of God's presence even in the midst of, of tremendous tragedy. Scripture reminds us that God is with us in those times when we read words like Psalm 46. You know, God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth should change, though the mountains shake in the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains trouble with its tumult. I mean, this understanding that God is with us no matter what and holds us up and gives us strength. And Paul writes this great affirmation to Romans that we frequently use at uh, memorials and funerals. When he says, who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will hardship or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We're counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I mean, Spafford had to have that kind of conviction to be able to be on that ship at that moment and to write those words to understand that, that God was with him and God was holding him up, but also to understand that, that, 
that God's love was still with those he loved and was holding on to them. So about um, two weeks before annual conference that year, Nick got a phone call from the, the worship committee for annual conference, and they said, well, we haven't been able to find anybody else to do the memorial service. Would you guys still be willing to come? And Nick said, well, we'll, we'll come, but you know, we have to be able to do the kind of music that we do if we come. And they said, okay. They were desperate. And so Nick sent him a playlist, and, and Messengers of Grace came to the memorial service that year. And uh, <clears throat> that year was, uh, year we went, we made it a point to be there, not only because they were there, but because uh, our friend Fred Martin had passed away, and, and I knew his wife was going to be at that service. And so we, we gathered that evening, and, and the Messengers of Grace opened them up with a number of different praise songs as we began the service. But as we moved into the actual memorial service, they toned it down, and through the service itself, uh, they did most of the songs in a very traditional manner, including we sang It Is Well with My Soul in the midst of that service. And it was beautifully done. At the end of the service, though, for the closing... They pulled out this version of It Is Well With My Soul, which is a modernized version of it uh, by Stuart Townend. And it has kind of an upbeat pop sound to it, and it's kind of in a bouncy rhythm. And, and they pulled that out for the closing song, and I kind of watched to see what was going to happen in the room. And, and folks didn't really know that tune and weren't familiar with it, and so at first they weren't sure what to do with it. And then they, they started singing along with it, and, 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 and then they started clapping along with the, the song and, and, and then they stood up and, and as we got down toward the end of the song I'm looking around the room and, and all the room is on their feet and they're clapping and smiling and singing and it was this joyful singing of it and I thought that's really what Spafford intended it was intended to be a word that was full of joy and hope that even in the midst of times like this it's well and I asked my friend Janice, I said, well, what did you think? And she said, that was just wonderful. She said, that's the first time I've ever heard that song sung with such joy. I mean, that's what Spafford intended for us to hear in that, this joy. Because, you know, you, 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 really can't, you really can't, in the midst of tragedy, get up and proclaim, it's well with my soul, if you don't really believe that God's love is with you in the midst of that. You, you can't proclaim that it's well with my soul if you don't believe that Christ's soul of the world, including you and the people you love, that he sent his only son to save us. You really can't proclaim it's well with my soul if you don't understand that the one who came to save us was the one who died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins and the sins of those we love. You really can't proclaim it's well with my soul unless you believe that the one who was crucified is also the one who was raised up. And you can't sing it's well with my soul if you don't believe that the one who was raised up is present with us in those moments. And you really can't proclaim it's well with my soul unless you understand that the living Christ with us is the promise and the proof to us of the gift of resurrection for us and for those that we love. And you can't proclaim it's well with my soul if you don't really understand that there's going to be a day in that resurrection when you're going to stand with your loved ones in the holy city in the presence of God. Who wipes away every tear. Where there's no mourning. Where there's no grieving. There's no pain. And there's no death. Spafford got that. He understood that. And so this morning when we gather and we, we come to the table here. 
in the presence of the living Christ. We come to ask that Christ would just pour that love into our hearts that doesn't disappoint. That in the presence of the resurrected Christ with us, we also can proclaim that no matter what the tragedy is, no matter how deep the pain is, it's well with my soul. So I want you to stand with me and I want you to pray a blessing over each other that Paul gave to the church in Ephesus. We've done this before. I'm just going to ask you to stand and kind of extend your arms out over each other and pray this blessing upon each other. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name. I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Amen.